Welcome everyone to another exciting episode of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. And uh, we're here to talk about uh, the game against Everton and so much more, as always. And we have our two best buddies with us again. First of all, uh, we have uh, Presswitch Blue, Mr. Colin Savage. Colin, how are you doing? What have you been up to? How's life with you? Oh, life's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, Obviously, we're recording this. It's a Monday evening, Monday night. So um, I've had a day back at work uh, and a full week. But next week and the week after, I'm only doing three days each week. So I'm looking forward to that. Lovely, lovely. Uh, okay. And uh, we've also got Ray from uh, City Fan TV on YouTube. Same question, Ray. How's it been going? What you been up to? Same answer. Same answer. You know, we won a game of football. Always happy. Um, not been too busy. Had a long walk today, about uh, eight and a half miles, um, just to keep some level of fitness up. And um, just been ex- so excited waiting for this podcast tonight. Yeah, absolutely, guys. That's a great thing to do, just to stick an interesting podcast in your ears and go off on a long walk. You won't even notice the 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 time going past. And uh, I, I do remember very keenly this uh, these pictures of uh, Stephen Fry up on uh, The Guardian, I think it was, um, pre-walking uh, with podcasts and post, and he just lost a stack of weight. You wouldn't see him, he was half the size. After he developed this habit of putting a podcast in his ears and just going on a, on a walk uh, wherever it took him. It's a very good idea. This is a pod for you. And uh, we're talking, uh, first of all, on our agenda is the game against Everton. Obviously, sixth round of the FA Cup. And uh, we were presented with uh, an interesting lineup, but perhaps not one that you'd have been that surprised with, um, Colin, because you expected Stefan to be in goal because the FA Cup is for him. Um, we got Ruben Diaz and Laporte as the two centre-backs. Zinchenko comes back in. Walker on the other side at the back. We've got um, uh, Fernandinho in midfield this time, hailed as City's Mozart by Jonathan Wilson, a man who is normally quite curmudgeonly um, in comments about uh, Man City. Uh, Gundogan and Bernardo Silva, who... Um, I'm sure a lot of people hoped would not be benched for this. And then up front, uh, Sterling, Gabriel, Jesus and Phil Foden. So um, what did you think, Cole? Um, Yeah, I I thought it was an okay lineup. I mean, it was, um, I guess it was a a return to a a fairly traditional, what what you might call a 4-3-3, but in in Pep's world is actually a 3-2-2-3, I think. Uh Um, Sterling back in uh, after a little break. Um, Gabby Jayen, um, you know, that, that was a fairly good lineup, wasn't it? I mean, Bernardo Silva, Fernandinho, Gundogan in midfield, fine. Oh, that's fine with me. I'm folding in. Mm-hmm. What did you think, uh, Ray? It seems to be that Sterling was brought back from the naughty step, maybe. I'm not, I'm not so sure. I mean, I would have um, definitely picked Sterling over Riyad Mahrez. Um, I said it before, I don't think Riyad was probably... Um, enough of a team play in the last game. People thought he played well, some, but I, I, I think he was a little bit too greedy. Uh, um, I was I, personally, I was surprised to see Zach Stefan start. 
really was. I, I didn't think, I, I, you know, I thought since we're going for these, um, you know, can I say it? we're not we're not going for it, but we are for as many trophies as possible. Um, maybe even f- uh, up to four. We're at least still in four competitions. That Pep would put out. I thought we, he'd put out a really really strong side. Personally, you know, I thought we'd have KDB instead of Gabriel Jesus, um, and maybe uh, just because I like John Stones, John Stones instead of Laporte. But generally. It was a pretty good side. I don't think anybody could say we weren't uh, going to treat the FA Cup with um, enough respect. And uh, just sticking with you for um, for a, a second here, Ray. Quite a strong-looking um, Everton lineup. I'm just going to th- through them now. They did have a, I think it was their third-choice uh, goalkeeper, Virginia, in there. But apart from that, look at that team. So Coleman, Holgate, Yeri Mina, Ben Godfrey, and Lucas Dinia. Um, the four at the back, and then uh, Andre Gomez, Sigurdsson, and Alan in their midfield, and then up front you've got them both this time: uh, Calvert Lewin and Richarlison. So, uh, you know, for me it looked like you know they were well placed to take advantage of any lapses in concentration uh, by Man City. Were you impressed with that um, that Everton lineup, uh, Ray? It's decent, but it, you know you got to say that they were missing. I think three or four players, obviously Pickford in goal, they were missing. Uh, Keane, uh, the defender, he was out. Hamid Rodriguez, Hamid uh, Rodriguez is out. He's obviously a playmaker in midfield, and um, Dakure. So you know they were miss they were missing some players that I think Dakure is a, provides a lot of legs in midfield, uh, and uh, obviously against the City side, you're going to need a lot of legs in midfield. But it was it was a decent side. It's you know it, it's. An Everton side that sat about what seventh in the league, um, you know, the challenges for the for a top four spot. Uh, they have beaten some good sides this season. They've thrown in some pretty poor performances at home as well. We said that in the last pod. Uh, I think Colin said that their home form hasn't been good, but on paper it's a decent enough side. Mm-hmm. Six changes then uh, si- uh, since the game against uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, in there. And um, uh, off we go. So uh, before the match, um, <clears throat> pre-match comments from the managers. Uh, uh, Carlo says it's a big challenge. We're well prepared for this. It doesn't matter what happened in the last two. Great opportunity to show our quali- quality and try to reach the semi-final. And uh, from Pep, you heard this is a final with that typical laser you know, focus in or out. I don't think managers prioritize competitions. Uh, all the managers want to win all the games and all the competitions. All right. So uh, we get started. Everton get the ball uh, rolling um, and uh, off we go. So how did uh, the opening, opening exchanges uh, seem to you, Colin? Um, I thought it was a bit of a, I don't know, really, a bit of a, Shape actually early on we didn't look too bad. First ten minutes or so, I thought we looked quite quite good, and then it turned into a bit of a shapeless um, game for me. Everton um, were clearly set up to stop us playing without necessarily doing very much themselves. Uh, and and people said Everton's plan worked, but you know to what effect? They had twenty five percent possession over the course of the game. They had two shots on target. They were quite physical, so so Gabby J got a bit of a battering 
um, you know, Gomez and Allen were, were throwing themselves uh, about, putting themselves about a bit. And, um, I, you know, I, I, we, we struggled, I thought, to, to, to find our normal fluency, fluidity, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. What did you think, Ray? Yeah, I pretty much agree with that. Everton very quickly, I mean, there was talk of a back three. <laughs> it certainly wasn't a back three, it was a back five, pretty much from, from the off. Uh, as Colin said, they were, they were physical. Uh, Rich Allison was going down at, at anything, uh, screaming for you know for place to be booked for for the uh, for the slightest of touches. Um, I mean, I think we lacked a little bit of creativity, um, but you know the game is ninety minutes. You're not going to win it in the first half. You don't need to win it in the first half. And you know, City plug on, and and, and that's one of the ways we we get our results. Uh, sometimes late on, uh, ask Cheltenham about that. And, and so, you know, part of me wanted Concello there because I think he's a game changer or KDB um, to, to add to that level of creativity. But, um, you know, it, it was it was a tough old match to watch. It's generally, City were in control. If you're going to have 75% possession, you're going to probably be in control of the game. I have no idea. I watched um, the game again on match of the day in the evening. I have no idea how... The first half match of the day managed to <laughs> show uh, that Everton were pretty much on top of that first half. And Everton hardly went into our box. I mean, there, there's a crazy start here. I'll give you this for the whole game. Riyad Mahrez, in, 30, in 28 or 30 minutes of football, had, I think, 17 touches or 17 passes or whatever, which is more than the, uh, Ever- the, the, the highest Everton player had. And Mahrez did that in under 30 minutes. So it gives you an idea about our possession, our dominance in the game. And, and how, let's be honest, how little Everton offered. I mean, and, and they said the romance of, in, of the cup is dead. Well, if Everton, seventh in the league, you know, knocking on the door of the Champions League, uh, in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup, got a chance to, to, to go to Wembley. They haven't won the FA Cup since... The eight is eight is on ninety five something like that. It's a long, long time since Everton have won the uh, the FA Cup uh, or any trophy, I, I think. And they put in that sort of negative anti football uh, display. Um, you know, it, it was very, very disappointing from them. Uh, and City just had to, you know, keep t- turning the wheel. And it, eventually, um, you'd like to think, and it did. Our pressure would tell. Yeah, I, what was the, I think that was Oliver Holt, wasn't it? Um, Colin came out with that remark about the romance of the cup being dead. I mean, he was a journalist that. that, that I, I, uh, sorry, that Oliver Dolt. Oliver Dolt. Oliver Holt. He was yeah. a journalist I used to quite like, maybe two or three years ago. Yeah, but I don't, yeah. I don't know what's very strange. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, little barbs like that coming from him. Um, quite regularly, I think Ray, you, I think you noticed the first one was it a couple of years ago. You mentioned. Well, no, it was not a couple of years ago. It was in 2011 when Ollie Holt said. Uh, I mean, I, I put it out on Twitter. I can't remember the exact exact quote, but he said uh, Sergio Aguero may be the highest profile. This is just before Aguero signed. Sergio Aguero may be the highest profile signing this summer, but I think Charlie Adams. <laughs> Charlie Adams will be the best signing. Uh, Charlie Adam was going to uh, Liverpool. He said, "I think he'll be the best signing this summer." So it, it gives you know you stick look, you stick your neck on the block, you say something crazy like that, 
I mean, hasn't didn't, didn't Oliver Holt have YouTube? Didn't he watch football? Um, if you stick your neck on the block, it it'll and you leave it out there. You don't delete that tweet. It will come back to haunt you time and time again. Um, it was just a ridiculous thing to say, but it also shows. So you know these. Sometimes you think these journalists they actually don't know what they're talking about. They might be good at prose and might be good at writing and stuff like that, but they might you know, some of their thought processes. Uh, you've got to question them. Well, yeah, it was obviously um, he must have been a, a member of the Paul Merson school of <laughs> um, of uh, football predictions. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right, guys. Um, the uh, match of the day. Uh, you know, re- review of the game made it look like Everton were all over us. Not quite, a, not quite the game that um, everyone else, else seemed to see. Um, quite an early, um, quite a clever uh, early sighter, I think, from Phil Foden. He decided to test out their their young goalkeeper. He pinged one up towards the um, the the upright, but uh, I think it was Yerry Mina got his head to it. Um, but uh, I think the first. Uh, Real talking point in the game. It was it was a rough and ready game, and a bit scrappy and a bit physical. But um, possibly uh, another um, penalty yep. incident. So this is this is like uh, Foden striding into the area and uh, Mason Holgate like hanging out a leg, and um, Phil uh, Phil guilty of a bit of um, honesty again there, Colin. Uh, yeah, I didn't really see it at the time, fully enough. But um, yeah, a few people said this. I mean, you know, when you see some of the penalties, I mean, we, we maybe talk later about the Harry Kane one. You know, some of the ones that are, are you know, shot from the grassy and old friend uh, Mr. Salah gets. Oh. Um, it, it really is just nonsense, isn't it? The, the one that was given against us, uh, Vestergaard. <laughs> you know, and you see, you know, and. And it's hard to 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 say. It's hard not to say when you see the two we've had in two weeks that that you know it's not the Premier League trying to even things up in some way. I, you know, it, it it's almost I don't know. It, what, what, how can that one on Foden against Southampton not be a penalty? Well, so, um, you know, I, I thought there was it, it's the VAR official, and that's one of the big problems. And we said it last time: the VAR officials don't want to overrule the referee unless it's a massive, massive mistake. Uh, and they're always going to err on the side of the referee. And, and once again, you know, and look, if Foden had gone down, I think they would have given that as a penalty. If Foden had, But because he didn't, we, we don't get it. And you know, obviously his, his honesty um, you know, is, is his downfall. I mean, do, do we call going down... I mean, it was quite interesting this weekend when we saw Harry Kane doing his flop in the box... Do we call it, so we used to call it a Salah, but do we have to call it a Kane? Or do we have to mix the two names up and give it, you know, this dive in the box, uh, a new name? But look, Foden's honesty, it's costing him, and you're always in two minds because there's so, let's be honest, there's so much, so much gamesmanship and quote-unquote professionalism and cheating, basically, in the game. Do you want your own players uh, to, to flop over and, and to get that penalty? A lot of City players saying, no, they wouldn't, a lot of City Fans are saying, sorry, a lot of City fans, a lot of City fans on, I saw on Twitter when we were linked to Harry Kane and, and saying, don't want him because he's a cheat. And I said, well, if he's, a, if he's a cheat for you, does that make, will that make a difference? And it does. You know, we are, most fans are very tribal in nature. Um, and if, if, the, if the cheating is working for you, 
you might tut tut it, but inside you think, yeah, good on you, lad. And 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 I, you know, so I'd, part of me wants Foden to go down and get those penalties, but part of me admires him for his honesty. Yeah, some interesting um, moments um, uh, between twenty and twenty-three. Uh, two two comparative moments here that got everyone on Twitter who is not of a city persuasion um, all in a palaver, and that's because. Um, uh, Richarlison took this whack in the face from Fernandinho. <laughs> Fernandinho, just as usual with that lovely little smile, uh, you know, and Richarlison goes down yelling and screaming. The referee wasn't interested, but two minutes later, um, you know, the yellow card does come out, and this time it's for Alan um, of Everton. So he sort of clipped a Gundogan from behind. Um, I think he scraped it down the Achilles. It was a dirty dirty foul. It's one from behind. You know, he he had no chance of getting the ball. He had no intention of getting the ball. And I mean, my notes are dirty foul. And it wasn't. It's it's one of those fouls where I just think you you deserve more than a yellow card. You're not really going for the ball. You're actually going to hurt the other player. And I just, I, I think that's disgusting. Despicable because these, you know, these... Blatant fouls where you, you, you know you can injure somebody for for months, for many months, uh, and I, I think it's out of order. And, and I think uh, they deserve to be punished uh, far more strongly than just a, a simple yellow card. Well, by the twenty fifth minute, City had made two hundred and nine passes to Everton's uh, seventeen. Just to put it in a context, the first twenty five <laughs> minutes, the romance of the cup, eh? The romance of the cup, but they. <laughs> But Colin, they didn't really work the the young goalkeeper very much, did they? No, I mean I think that was what Ollie Holt was kind of referring to. You know, this third choice goalkeeper thrown in to an FA Cup quarter final against Manchester City. But uh, it it was, and I think partly that was Everton's plan, wasn't it? That they were going to do everything to protect the keeper. Uh, he didn't look very impressive um, in the they lost to Burnley, didn't they? I think it was the last game at home. He didn't look particularly impressive in that. So I think Everton's plan really was was partly to protect him, um, uh, and that meant kicking everything that moved, you know, with, uh, that got within thirty yards of the goal. Um, it just, you know, perhaps if we'd had Mara's in there, we might have tested him a bit more. Um, Foden always obviously has a go. Sterling had a um, couple of shots, um, you know, because after his break, I thought first fifteen minutes he looked quite sharp, then. He went uh, he went off a, bit, a little bit, but uh, again, he had a good shot. Really good shot. Really our first really good shot on target, I think. So, uh, uh, Was that the one straight at the keeper or the one? No, the way- he had to make a good save, the keeper. Yeah. I don't, think, that- I don't think it was straight at him. Is that the one when Sterling hit it? I, thought it was, I can't remember now who was in the second Sterling half. hit it first time. But he hit it. Uh, right. It was on target and the keeper had to get down low. To, Is that the one to- where he hit it in the ground? He hit it into the ground. No, no, no. He hit it quite well. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I remember you saying that on Twitter, actually, Colin, about Ster, um, Sterling looking quite sharp. But I definitely think he sort of re- a case of reversion to the mean after that, as you suggest. I mean, um, oh, one example was just before the half hour mark. Um, basically, Fernandinho con- conning Richarlison into giving away a cheap. Uh, free kick, um, and I, and I, I just I'm just feeling it's turning it into a, a sort of virtuoso Fernandinho performance here. He makes me laugh um, with his ability to 
to do things like this. And of course, um, I think it was uh, uh, Sterling took the free kick and it just went over the, you know, he skied it over the bar and you're thinking, all right, okay, it's going to be another one of these ones, one of these uh, these nights. And uh, at the half hour mark, you're thinking this is going, this is going to be nil nil until half half time here. And so it turned out to be. But um, yeah, I'm just uh, stretching my um, my my memory to try to think of um, other moments of note. There was a moment of note. There was a ball put through for Dominic Calvert Lewin to chase on the in the 33rd minute. Right. And Zach Stefan came out. And he got lucky. He got lucky. He tried to clear it. He was outside he his box. He made a mess of it, he, didn't he? he made it, yeah, he made a bit of a horlicks of that. And it ended up uh, hitting um, Calvert-Lewin on the hand. Uh, and then it was out for a corner. Uh, but it was poor from Stefan. Um, I mean, at least, give him credit, he didn't, he didn't clean out the player because that would have been ridiculous. But he, he, you've got to, if you're coming out of your box, you've got to make sure you hit that ball. And, and, and pretty much every game I've seen Stefan play... Um, he's made a mistake. I, I think some of that's nerves, probably, inexperience, even though he's back 25. And I think some of that is, it could be down to inactivity because he's probably never played too many game, games for a team where he's not had much to do for most of the game. And I think that's one area generally where Edison has excelled, where he might have nothing to do uh, during a game in, in terms of you know preventing goals. Uh, but his concentration generally stays sharp. Uh, sometimes it does wander a bit. But I think Stefan hasn't come to terms with that yet. Um, and, you know, he, I think there's one where he, um, he he just makes a mistake per game, which is a little bit concerning. I think generally he's a decent keeper, but I just think he may be you know, playing things like an FA Cup quarterfinal will help um, overcome his inexperience and nerves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we do have to give him a bit of a pass, although uh, basically Zach Steffen, because he doesn't get much of a run um, to get putting games together, and he's still obviously very young. But one thing that um, almost slipped my memory, this, but uh, Zinchenko heading off the line. Um, so this was just before halftime, if you remember, Dina uh, doing a Mr. Whippy to the near post, and then there was a a flashing header from Yeri Mina towards the top left, and um, Stefan was nowhere near it. And um, Zinchenko did something good, Colin. Yeah, I, I don't understand why people have a, a go at Zinchenko. He's given it his best shot at a position which is not, not his. Um, and um, it's a bit like, you know, Fabian Delph, he gives his all, doesn't he? And uh, you, you can't knock that. But um, yeah, no, it was a good, um, it was a good clearance but, yeah. because it was really it was the only thing that Everton had done. It's possibly the closest thing to a goal that we got in that half, eh, Ray? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think there was anything there. We went in at half time. No, no, I think Everton were by far the happier of the two sides. City hadn't created, uh, I don't think, a proper chance. Uh, the third choice keeper, he had nothing to do, nothing to do. And I couldn't believe we hadn't tried, you know, tested him out with some long range efforts. I'm sure, like Colin said, Mares would have tested him out a couple of times, for sure. And, and actually, I thought Everton looked tighter. And according to BBC's match of the day, they had the better chances in that first half. Well, let me test you two out with a long-range effort, because uh, <laughs> at, at, at halftime, 
the summary went that City's quadruple quest is still alive, but so is Everton's dreams of a first trophy since 1995. Um, do you remember what that trophy was in 1995? I'm struggling to remember. What was it? FA Cup. Against? Oh, I, I, um, Anybody? I Anybody? Did... Colin Savage? I thought it was the FA Cup. Yeah, no, we got that, Colin. But, um, let's I thought it was somebody. Somebody do a quick Google search. I want to know what was this? What was this FA Cup win? Who who did they who did they beat to get this? Um, Man United. Was it Man United? Oh, yeah, uh, was that on penalties? I, I, because I'm. I did. Um, I did a a preview um, with it was penalties. I did a preview last week with a Everton fan and. We were t- talking about. I did ask him, was he born the last time Everton won a trophy? Uh, <laughs> you got to you got to throw these things in there. And I think it was it was that um, Man United. It wasn't uh, penalties. It was uh, Paul Rideout scored after thirty minutes. It was one nil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Andy an Hinchcliffe was in the team. Andy Hinchcliffe, a lot of City fans' favourite City commentator. <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't believe, but you put out a tweet today, Mike, about a, a, a podcast that we did. Probably last year, um, uh, about the least, least favorite players of all time. Yeah, um, and, um, was he in there? Yeah, obviously oh. he was in there as one of the commentators. I actually listened to that. It was I can't believe how good we used to be. You know, it was uh-huh. it was a fantastic pod. Honestly, you know, you know, I I, I don't often listen to my, uh, us uh, more than once, but that was well worth a, a listen. Uh, it was a, it was a fantastic pod. Yeah, there was um I think there's a there's a, a Twitter um member called Owen Roderick. Yeah. Who is um very often on there um trying to um stimulate people's memories about events from the past. And um I think he was uh was he possibly talking about, you know, unpopular city players. And I just thought we've done a pod about that. We you know <laughs> I, as far as I forgotten remember, about that. Yeah, it was like Milner or McManaman. I think were 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 some Milner of the people. Was, well, the, the, well I, since I listened to it, there was there was different subcategories. So there was people like uh, the worst commentators or the worst analysts, and obviously uh, McManaman was there. Uh, Hinchcliffe was there. Now Quinn was there, but Colin defended him. And there was uh, one more uh, analyst that um, you know we were ex City player. Danny Mills. Um, uh, there was, <laughs> was three or four different categories, but Milner yeah. was higher. Um, uh, I think he was in the top three. For, yeah, I remember uh, that. So the one of the categories were you know people who should have been locked up, and I think Joey yeah. Barton was one of them. Joey Barton. Joey Barton featured, featured a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like. I'm going to have to stop the guys from deflecting as we try to talk about the fairly... <laughs> the game was that good, it's easy to deflect, was it? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay. Um, so here we go uh, into the second half. Um, City responded... Uh, well, they, they seemed to uh, come out of the blocks uh, quite nicely after the traditional pep talk. Um, how did you see it, um, Colin? Did you see any... Major change of impetus? Um, not desperately, no. I mean, I don't. I, I always think when we're going at half time that Pep will sort it out. Uh, I didn't particularly feel the, the 
there was a huge change. Um, there were no no personnel changes, of course. Um, you know, Everton plan was was working up to a point. Like what the plan was, what the objective of the plan was, maybe to get penalties or something. I don't know, but um, it, it, it would. You know, you, you could feel the tension really. People saying, "Oh, we aren't going to score. We aren't going to score. We aren't going to score." Um, but I don't know. It, uh, to me, the longer it went on, we were the only one. Uh, you know, typical city says Everton are going to get a breakaway and score. But to me, it was only you know, it was only ever us who were going to score. And, and of course, the later we left it, the more chance we had of winning it. That you know, sounds a bit daft, but um, mm. you know, I was always reasonably confident we would score. But you know, you, you know, get to eighty minutes, it's getting a bit nerve wracking. And of course, um, you know, the, the talisman Kevin De Bruyne came on. Uh, yeah, that's right. Well, Fernandinho didn't get to 80 minutes, Ray. He got to 57 minutes before he got his um, he finally conceded um, uh, free kick and got booked with mm. this on ongoing battle with Richarlison again, unsurprisingly. But um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about Fernandinho. Uh, surely, Ray, got to get a year's contract extension at least. I, I called it last year. I said... You know, within a couple of months, Fernandinho, from what he's showing, um, he should get another a year. He should he should be getting an extension yeah. on his contract. Um, and I, I, I called it early because, um, and I said the same with Aguero as well. Um, and to be honest, I remember talking to some Arsenal um, fans when I've done some stuff with them. And I said, for me, Arteta should be going in for Fernandinho and offering him a ridiculous contract length of two or three years to come to play for Arsenal because he would make I think he would make a huge difference to any side um, Fernandinho would and to offer him a three year contract uh, you know maybe he w- he would really go for that um, he's that good and he's still he's that good at 35 years old um, he, he's brilliant and he's evergreen he's, he's always almost always doing the business you know it's a shame that obviously he's 35 you want to Go get a time machine and take him back ten years, because the only thing that's going to affect him going forwards is obviously he's he's he's, he's going to lose a little bit of his uh, pace, but his brain's still working wonderfully well, um, you know. And and as people are now getting round to the idea that he's another city legend of the modern city legends, mm-hmm. you know, of the last ten years or so, he's got to be up there. He's got that longevity. He's been there here long enough. Uh, and he'll, he's got to go down with people like David Silver and, and Yaya and, and Sergio and Zaba uh, and, and KDB when he disappears as well. And Vincent, um, you know, he, he will go down because he's been here, what, seven years, eight years? Yeah, was it 2012 he arrived, I'm thinking? No, I think it's got to be after that. It's got to be after that. He was under Pellegrini. He was mm-hmm. under Pellegrini. He came, I think, in was it the last season of Pellegrini? Mm-hmm. Um, he came, uh, but he, he he must have been about twenty seven when he came. So he came in twenty two thousand and thirteen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. eight years. Eight years. Yeah, I, I remember he um, played most of his football in um, Ukraine up until that point, yeah. and um, he actually, <clears throat> so the story goes, paid four million to he get didn't pay he, if he'd stayed at Shakhtar. Uh, they oh, he owed him for, he forfeited quid. that, didn't yeah. he? He waived it. They owed him four million quid. Uh, so to complete the transfer, he said, "Right, I won't take the money. Let's get this done." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And oh. and he took over. He t- did he take over from uh, James Milner? 
Uh, yeah, who went oh, off in search of... I think he wanted this number seven shirt, that's it, and James Milner was already there, so that's why he's ended up with this number 25. Yeah, Mr. Milner, of course, going off in search of better players and uh, silverware. Uh, <laughs> didn't really turn out too well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, Colin, it all depends on what uh, Fernandinho wants to do himself. I mean, the, there's two clear options. He's obviously not going to be a regular. He would, he will be a bit. He would, if he stayed, be a bit part player, racking up the silverware, or he could uh, do like um, something like what Ray suggested that I had to listen to through gritted teeth at the thought of him playing for Arsenal. <laughs> but, um, yeah, what, how do you think he, what do you think he's minded to do, Colin? I, I, I'm, it's an unfair question, really, because you can't really get inside his head, but uh, what do you reckon? Well, there was talk about him coming on the coaching staff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, one of the things we criticised last season, I think, was um, overuse of Fernandinho and David Silva. Mm. And, um, you know, we, Rodri has now developed into the player we hoped he would. He, he, you know, he's not Fernandinho, but he's learning, I think. And um, you can now trust Rodri to, as a starter in the majority of games. But, you know, if Fernandinho plays one in three, one in four, you know, 15, 20 games, <laughs> uh, I'm sure he can do that at his age. Mm -hmm. Well, guys, moving on, it's, it's interesting in the way that um, certain newspapers... Uh, express these things. The 64th minute, um, Mares comes on for Bernardo Silva, and this is introduced with the phrase, City blink first. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, and so on comes Mares, and uh, we were kind of hoping that Mares would um, do what he what he does, or what he's been doing recently. He was involved quite, quite quickly, um, but I don't really think that he sort of um, made a huge impact, Ray. No, I, I just think we carried on in a pretty much uh, similar vein. I'm just looking at my notes and I'm actually saying... Yeah, I think Bernardo had a very quiet game, didn't he, by his standards? I mean, I, I think you know, it was a, an attritional type game. Yeah, there was a lack of space for him, wasn't there? You know, yeah. he couldn't re really do the stuff that he would normally do. Uh, and if he did try to do the stuff, there was, there was an Everton foot way to take, uh, kick whoever was running past him, so uh, past them. So, um, I mean, most of my notes are uh, commenting about Sterling and his, you know, uh, failing to control a ball, an opportunity lost. Um, now, I, in my notes, I said, I, I think he had an underwhelming performance, uh, Raheem Sterling did, uh, you know, when he went off after 79, 80 minutes. Um, you know, I was just, I think most people were really pleased that he'd gone because... I think in the end, people thought he had a bit of a stinker. When we did our player ratings, I think he got the, the lowest ratings. Um, I, think he got, I think he got an average about six. Uh, I, I just, you know, and people were asking me, because I wanted him to play instead of Mahrez, and people were asking me, obviously, I'm Nigerian fans, um, are you happy now? Are, are you, you know, you wanted Sterling to start? I, I still wanted him to start, but, he, he, you know, he, he's, uh, he, he's fluffed his audition because that was his chance to show that he can still do it. And for me... You know, when we get round to doing the best City team right now, I don't think Sterling makes it because he's not, in the last few games especially, he's not been delivering. Mm -hmm. Lovely uh, little little remark. I think this one is from The Guardian, uh, who 
commented that on the 78th minute, Everton's season, season was teetering on the knife edge. And this is contrasted um, with um, uh, an image of Carlo Ancelotti looking the picture of serenity um, while all this is going on. Um, Colin, is Carlo Ancelotti the, the coolest um, manager in the Premier League? There's a good case for that, isn't there? I think. Yes. The, the, he just exudes cool, doesn't he? Yeah, it's just, you know, completely motionless apart from that, I think, that right eyebrow um, that, um, that, that sort of arches at things that displease him from time to time. But that's uh, pretty much it. Uh, guys, a couple of minutes later, on comes Kevin De Bruyne. So Sterling um, was uh, hoiked off and on comes the man, KDB, uh, for the last uh, 10 minutes plus extra time. Um, Ray, were you thinking at this point, right, okay, uh, here here comes the man. Cometh the hour, cometh the man. This is going to break the deadlock. Well, I, I, I was glad he came on with 10 minutes to go. I can't remember if it was going to be extra time. I can't remember if it was straight to penalties, but as far as it was extra time, KDB is going to be there um, to you know to go into extra time. And actually, you're thinking, I'd rather actually, when there's only a few minutes to go, I was thinking I'd rather it go into extra time. Given another 30 minutes, I think City would destroy um, Everton simply because you know they've got their best team on. And uh, all they've been doing is firefighting and trying to, you know, work hard to keep us out. And we are now introducing our best team by putting Mares on, putting KDB on, um, and maybe we'll bring, you know, Concello on or something uh, yeah. later on. So you know, we were making our team slowly uh, uh, better, and you could see we, we were starting to get um, opportunities as well. You know, <laughs> um, we had a, as soon as KDB came on, we had a great move, a lot of uh, quick passing. Uh, and I think Everton got got lucky. Then we had a, a minute later, Laporte got into the box. He, t- he took the ball deep uh, into the box, but he kind of like ran out of ideas. He didn't know what to do. He had three men around him, and I thought he should have passed it across or passed it back. But he was just like dithering. Uh, it's like he was in uh, unknown territory. But we were, you know, having that pressure. And then Foden had a shot. It was it was a, uh, I think it was a straightforward save. But you could see that ever since KDB came on, we had within four minutes we had three moments, three opportunities to do something, and you felt you felt like something was coming. Yeah, you just felt like um, Laporte, um, the one that you just mentioned, and then the one that we're just about to talk about. He was trying to do his best um, impression of Garincha because he was <laughs> quite prom- prominent in. Uh, in the breakthrough goal, Colin, on 84 minutes, and he's driving <laughs> driving down the inside left uh, and slipped slipped it inside uh, for De Bruyne. What happened next, Colin? Well, um, De Bruyne had a shot, didn't he? Hit the bar, bounced back, and uh, Gundogan was there to stoop I, I to think head in the... I have to interject. Sorry, guys. Uh, De Bruyne got fouled by Mean oh, yes. on the edge yeah. of the box, and it was, uh, it was your man Laporte who had the shot. Yes, it was. Yes, it came back to Laporte, didn't it? And he, yeah. having rampaged through halfway down the field, he had the shot, hit the bar. Uh, which the goalie made, the goal. made a save. You've got to give the goalie some oh, the goal, credit. Yes, so the goalie did. Maybe, just got fingertips to it, touched it onto the bar. Then uh, Gundo was there to uh, nod it home. Mr. Whippy. Except he wasn't whipping, he was nodding. <laughs> Mr. Noddy. Mr. Noddy, yeah. Uh, into the, um, the unguarded right side of the goal. And... Uh, 
My goodness, uh, what a season he's having, uh, Ray. I mean, why did we never see any of this before in previous seasons? Well, you've got to think that in previous seasons, we've played slightly differently. In previous seasons, we've had David Silva there. Uh, Gundogan's not had as much opportunity. Uh, he's played a different role. I've called it a half-and-half half role. So we've played like with one-and-a-half DMs when he's been there. Um, he's been criticised a lot when he's played with Fernandinho or with Rodri. People said he's he's too slow, he uh, slows everything down, and um, they've not got a good record together. But I've always said, give him space and time. He's world-class. Some of his passing is world-class, and now his movement is incredible. He, you know, he's, he's... Look, the fact that he was there to head that ball, and he's in the right place at the right time. Uh, and as Pepper said, he could play that number nine role. Um, it could... Because he's just, he, he he's getting to be the complete player. I mean, people forget when in our formidable season, uh, when Fernandinho got injured, that Ilke Gundogan played as the holding midfielder uh, for, for a big chunk of the season, for about 10 weeks or, or something like that, eight to 10 weeks. And uh, he, he was brilliant. So he, he, he's shown that he can play that ultra-defensive role. He's shown that he can play that attacking creative, creative role. And he's shown he can play that number nine role as well. He's, he's just awesome at the moment. Um, and I, but I think, you know, we noticed him a lot more when KDB was out. And he really, uh, you know, uh, stepped up to the plate. And now he's, he's, he keeps on performing again and again and again. It's fantastic to see. Uh, five minutes after the goal, Mr. Whippy is dispensed with by, by, by Pep. Yeah, and he's replaced by uh, Rodri, and um, I think it's the Daily Mail here who comments that uh, the goal scorer Gundogan makes way for Rodri. He takes his leave at professional pace. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm assuming that means a slow crawl uh, towards the um, uh, the city uh, uh, bench. And uh, a minute after that, of course, um, Rodri's first act basically was to. Um, play a part in uh, De Bruyne's goal in the 90th minute because um, there was a poor header out, a clearing header out from Yeri Mina and um, Rodri sent that down the right for De Bruyne or De Bruyne, De Bruyne whatever way you like to pronounce it what happened uh, next Ray? Uh, De Bruyne scored <laughs> well he, <laughs> he, he left players on the deck and it was actually quite nice to see on Twitter Someone put four pictures together of De Bruyne leaving players on the floor as he scores. Um, and he did a nice little touch where he, he came inside and then he flicked it uh, over the, I think was it the shoulder of the keeper as he was going one way, he knocked the ball. It was just a nice finish. And there's a picture there of the goalkeeper on the floor, uh, a defender on the floor and KDB striding away after scoring. Um, uh, it, was a, uh, it was a clinical finish. Uh, Colin, a lot of the Everton players were quite put out, I think, was the expression, because they think that um, Maris went in with a high boot on uh, Yeri Mina. How did you see that one? Well, he didn't, because he removed his foot before it made contact. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, quite, it wasn't quite like Sadio you Mane. Know, given or... some of the foot, you yeah. know, the, the feet that Everton had put on us. <laughs> Absolutely. It was a bit rich, them complaining, to be honest. Mm-hmm. A bit rich indeed. Okay, and uh, I think that's basically it. And uh, uh, the, the 
the the headlines that you got was the quadruple is uh, still on. Um, now, go on then, Mike. Sorry, Mike. What do you reckon about all of this quadruple talk, Ray? Because uh, Pep doesn't well, think too much of it. Look, look. You know, we're getting towards the business end of the season. You know, we, we're probably going to win the league. We're uh, five wins out of the last nine from a guaranteed uh, league title. I really can't see United winning all their games, so I'm hoping it's something like you know, we only need three or four wins. Uh, I think beating Leicester, if we can do that when we come back after the international break, it will be a huge step towards that. Um, we're in the Carabao Cup final, we're in the FA Cup semi-final, and um, you know we're in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. There's not a lot of the season to go. The maximum number of games left this season is two, four, five, six, seven, eight, um, 17 games. That's all we've got left. And you know we probably, we could get away with winning about six, seven games and we could win everything. We could end up with just one trophy. And I think some people, a lot of the media want that, a lot of opposition fans are building City up. But look, no one... To, and to say, if you don't win all four, it's been a failure of a season. Uh, and because there's nothing else to beat us with, no sticks, you know, they needed a stick to beat us with. They've tried so much in the past, in the last few years, talking about the empty hat, talking about no fans, talking about all money, FFP, cast, bribes, cheating, this, on all that, no fan channels and all that rubbish. And, and City and now, we are boldly going where no team has gone before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're almost, you know, other teams have been close. Um, you know, I think somebody got one team got into May, did they? Uh, b- before the their chance of a quadruple was uh, scuppered, and um, so we, we, you know, there's other teams been here before. We've been here before. Um, we got knocked out in the Champions League quarter final, so you know, but we 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 can almost taste it. It's there. It's tantalisingly close, but it's not there. You know, and I, I still say if we walk if, if we walk away with just the Premier League title, I'll be disappointed because I think we can get more. But I'm not going to be so presumptuous to say we should be winning all four. Very few City fans are arrogant enough to think that and say it. But as every game goes past and we're through to the next round of a competition or closer to winning that league title, then you've got to, at some point, you know, when are you going to start talking about it? You'll start thinking about it because we're not far away from it. Mm-hmm. Well, um, could you give us a man of the match then, Colin, if there was one? Um, I mean, probably Fernandinho, I think. Ray? Uh, um, probably, yeah. You know, I mean, KDB wasn't on long enough, but he did it. You know, what he did in the 10 minutes he was on was brilliant. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think uh, it's, it's hard because KDB got that pre-assist and a goal in 10 minutes' work. But, no, I think Fernandinho, probably the one, he, he helped to control that game uh, and keep Everton uh, on the back foot. So I'll go along with that. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, guys, because I've got queued up here Jonathan Wilson's uh, piece on uh, Fernandinho. Uh, Mr. Wilson was obviously impressed. Let me just read you a little bit, just a little bit about what he wrote. He says, so Fernandinho will be 36 in May. His contract expires in the summer. And after a season spent largely filling in at centre-back, his starts have begun to be rationed. Just eight in the league so far this season. But to watch him when he does play is to witness a masterclass. 
for a decade, he has probably been the best midfielder of his type in the world. But it's a type that often goes unnoticed. And he remarks, um, he's not big, he's not quick. He doesn't spray eye-catching 40-yard passes and he barely scores. Just 24 goals in 338 games. He doesn't slide through defence spitting through balls. He's contributed only 19 assists. And he doesn't make the sort of bone-crunching tackles that used to define the, the midfield hard man. But he is a vital presence in Guardiola's first three seasons. He was because his positional play is so astute. And uh, a lot of his contribution defies statistical analysis because it relies so heavily on simply being in the right place, deterring a pass and thwarting the opposition or offering an angle that lubricates the flow of possession or opens up spaces. Um, and he also makes the remark here, Wilson, that although he's only five foot ten, he's technically the best header of a ball in the city team, he reckons. Um, each of the first three set plays that Everton had were headed out by Fernandinho. So, uh, yeah, um, lovely words there about Fernandinho. So I think we're not going to get too much argument about him as man of the match. Um, so anyway, City into the semi-finals. Um, what, happens, what happened, um, Ray, to the other teams that were involved in the argument about um, the final stages of the FA Cup? Was anybody else playing? Um, Southampton beat Bournemouth uh, on the Saturday. Chelsea yeah. beat Sheffield United, and uh, you know we, they were looking for a uh, an upset in the final game with the Minnows taking on Leicester, uh, and and sadly <laughs> the romance of the cup was dead because Man United got smacked by Leicester. Leicester comfortably yeah. beat them. All the bigger teams got through, didn't they? That's right. They did. And this is Leicester, who were missing three of their best players um, as well. Um, very, very sad. Very, very sad uh, that the romance of, of the Cup is over with little stretch. Leicester have got one of the best Ians in the league at the moment, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Leicester have got one of the best Ians in the league. Yeah, so we're talking, we were talking pre-pod about uh, best Ians um, for Man City. Um, who springs to mind? You give me one, Colin. The best what, sorry? Ian's. Oh, he, Ian's, he, yes. Um, obviously, Ian. Ian Bishop. Ian Brightwell. Ian Brightwell. Ian Acho. <laughs> Ian Acho. <laughs> yeah, we had to get that one in, didn't we? Uh-huh. Um, Ian Mellor. Ian, oh, that's going back a bit. It's going back a bit. Um, anybody else? Anybody else? Um, uh, I can't think of too many. Did we have? Uh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm trying to. I'm just trying to think of Ian. Did we have a? What was it? I'm trying to think. Ian or we didn't have Almonroy, did we? No. Um, I'm just trying to think. Uh, I can't think of any. No. <laughs> we got. We got Ian Paveda. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, not for long. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think we're out on that one. But um, Ian Acho is. <laughs> Is the best uh, the best uh, choice I think, and of course he played his part with um, a brace for Leicester against um, uh, Stretford, or who some people refer to this team as is Molder two point zero. Um, yeah, so they're out, and we've got Chelsea. So um, 
what's what's the prospects for this game? Do, do are, are you a little bit in awe of um, the job that Tuchel has done um, with Chelsea, Ray? Um, no, certainly not in awe. Uh, impressed a little bit, yeah. You know, he's turned it around. They're not conceding too many goals uh, since he's been there. I don't think they've lost in about 10 games since he's been there. They've tightened up the ship um, since Frank Lampard left. But without looking at their results, I haven't looked at them. We always say this, have they played any big teams? Have they played anybody really good who's going to really put them under pressure? I'm not so sure. Atletico, they played Atletico, beat them in the Champions League, but Atletico have really stumbled of late in the in the league. So I'm not sure how good they are right now. Um, but at, to be honest, at the 14, three teams that are left, they're probably the hardest ones to face. But it's like everything. You know, if you want to be, be the best, you've got to beat the best. And um, they're, I think they will provide a much sterner test than when we played them in January, January the 2nd or 3rd, when we beat them at their place. Three uh, one, I think there'll be a tougher test. But you, you, you know, obviously you're going to back City. Uh, um, we're we're a different beast uh, right now, and and I hope we can obviously prevail. Mm-hmm. So uh, City through to the semi final. If they were to win this competition, I'm reliably informed. Um, uh, Sergio Aguero, if he plays, and and Fernandinho have the chance to win this competition. Um, uh, For the second uh, time? Actually, actually, this refers to not the FA Cup, but the League Cup, I beg your pardon. They will have the chance to win it six times. Um, it would be Pep's second FA Cup, um, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, yep. And, uh, yeah, no, so exciting times, exciting times. And um, we, uh, we, we ran out of Ian's, by the way, just uh, changing the topic a little bit. We ran out of Ian's. Uh, to mention, but uh, a certain uh, Ings has been um, talked about a lot in the media. Uh, we've got all of this um, constant speculation about uh, Aguero and where he is going to go if he indeed goes. We have got uh, people like Chelsea, uh, Barcelona, um, or apparently all basically. Uh, you know, penciling Aguero into their uh, lineups for next uh, season. And uh, according to several uh, respected and not so respected uh, commentators, the man that we should be bringing in, Colin, is uh, Danny Ings. <laughs> now, what 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 do you make of this? Well, I mean, Danny Ings, I mean, I think he's, you know, uh, far too good for us. Uh, you know, w- would we get Danny Ings? Would he come to us? Indeed, indeed, and um, it's a bit of a strange one that um, is, you can only you can only assume either someone's making a bit of mischief or his agents putting yeah. it out there. You you can detect the hand of the agent, can't you? <laughs> okay, all right. Well, uh, let's move on to just a few statistics. Um, so that's uh, Everton have lost their past seven meetings with City in all competitions. That's their longest losing run against an opponent since. Uh, a run of nine against United back between 99 and 2004. Um, here's an interesting one uh, that might interest uh, Ray. Uh, Everton's possession figure of 26% was their lowest in a single game in all competitions since uh, March 2018. 
when they registered 18% against Man City in a Premier League match. And uh, the final one I'll just mention is um, uh, Gundogan has scored 16 goals in all competitions this season. And that's at least three more than any Man City player. And uh, this is the first... This is the first time he scored in three consecutive matches for us. Okay, uh-huh. I'm going to I'm going to ask you about an Ian because there is another Ian, and probably one that Colin will remember. So I was thinking about this, and so I'll give you. He played at the end of the sixties for Man City. Hmm. Ian Boyer. Ian Boyer. Yeah, I didn't even have to yes. give you the, any of the big clues. Ian Boyer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How could we forget Ian Boyer? Is that uh, Ian... shamefully abused by City fans? Yeah. And, is that um, Ian Boyer make... more associated with Nottingham Forest? Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah that's, right. the one. that's where I got it from. Because uh, he, he, play, he, he played many seasons at Forest. He played about over 10 seasons at Forest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he was a legend for them. Uh, guys, uh, listeners, if you can think of any other City um, related Ians, uh, do let us know. Um, Ian Cheeseman. Ian Cheeseman. <laughs> Cheese you said City related. Says, yeah, I think we need to strip it out City related <laughs> since there seems to be a dearth of uh, players, but someone's going to prove me prove me wrong. Um, okay, so um, there you have it. I'm trying to think of another thing to talk about, but the only thing that I can think of for the moment is um, is Team Viewer. And uh, as I mentioned to the lads before the uh, pod started, um, the name, you know, um, I I remember the name because my computer went down here in the apartment and um, the technical uh, wing of the university uh, contacted me and told me to download something called TeamViewer, after which they were able to control my computer from their end. I can see my, you know, the little mouse um, marker going flying around the, sc- the screen um, someone else controlling it uh, that's what team viewer is and the uh, team viewer are in the news uh, Colin um, aren't they? Uh, they are yes because um, they're heavily used it's heavily used by scammers who uh, invite people to download their um, software onto <laughs> their machine so they can take them over but it looks like they've been scammed themselves because um They've just become now they've become the new shirt sponsor of Manchester United. A bit strange uh, that one. It's reported forty-seven million pounds a season, which um, is is kind of it was it was touted as a record for a shirt deal. But I don't think we've ever said how much Etihad pays for ours. I'm sure it's at least around that, maybe maybe a bit higher. So does that uh, of course we're paying less than fifty-three million for their shirt deal with United. Well, well, if it's the, the best, she, the Chevrolet one was a funny one because it was originally talked about around seventy-five million a year, but um, that that proved to be a bit short-lived because the guy who negotiated at General Motors, a guy called Joe Ewanick, uh, he got sacked two days after that was announced uh, on the grounds that he had in fact uh, exceeded his financial authority in doing that deal. And had used a budget which he wasn't entitled to. A marketing budget. And he was a, he and he was a Man United fan. Uh, yeah. So, so that deal, despite having been trumpeted at seventy-five, seven hundred and fifty million over ten years, I suspect it was actually significantly less than that in the end, because um, I, I believe um, Chevrolet um, negotiated that deal downwards because I think they were quite within their right legal rights to 
repudiate it altogether. So anyway, it got um, it got repudiated, it got negotiated downwards. But but Chevrolet, a, a, a number of United fans have said to me, well, Chevrolet weren't just our shirt sponsor. Their name was on the seat dugout seats, and they were our official automotive partner. <laughs> so so we're just going to go out and get some names on the seats and a new automotive partner. Although perhaps the, the automotive partner they should be picking is the one that makes those clown cars that fall to bits, um, you know, when someone presses the uh, the horn. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so um, so so that was the Chevrolet deal. And the Chevrolet deal was uh, due to expire in, I'm not sure if, I think it's December this year. Uh, no, actually, no, it was June, due to expire in June. And United, I, th- I think, extended it by a further six months, but without any cost to Chevrolet. So basically they gave him a free extension because uh, that tends to suggest they were struggling to find a, a new sponsor. Anyway, so, so they found TeamViewer. Uh, the reported figure for the shirt is £47 million a year, which is not to be sniffed at. I'm not not, not mocking it. It's a decent... I think Chelsea's Yokohama deal was £40 million, um, something like that. But but the, the interesting thing is, um, when, when you look at Chevrolet, part of the huge General Motors um, uh, company, they had a turnover of over a hundred billion pounds a year, and they still thought that seventy-five million a year was too much to pay. Now, Team Viewer, when I heard the name, I sort of heard of it, but not—they're not one of the biggies in IT, uh, which field I work. I'm not—I'm not—I don't work in the technical side. But um, so, so I checked on their numbers, and uh, their the turnover to December 2020, unaudited, was um, around just under 400 million, I believe. Their net profit was uh, around 40 million. So they've committed to, they seem to have committed to a sponsorship deal of something like 120% of their net profit, which when you compare that to Chevrolet, who were equivalent about 75 million on top of 100 billion. Then you've got to question why a, uh, a company is committing to a deal which is 120% of its last year's net profit. Uh, and in fact, um, the shareholders seem to think that was a strange deal because the share share price collapsed about 15, 16% on the news. Um, so I, I could. So basically, they, they've got to make another. They've got to double their net profit just to pay for that deal, unless. They were already paying forty million in marketing costs, I, so it, it seems strange to me. And I, I do have a suspicion that, that that perhaps forty-seven million is the most United could ever get out of that deal in a season. But that would involve them doing the domestic treble, winning the Champions League, winning the European Super Cup, winning the World Club Championship, um, winning the boat race, winning the Ryder Cup, uh, Fred winning the Grand National, and <laughs> Harry Maguire winning Strictly Come Dancing. I think Fred will be down at the canal turn. Uh, he won't be winning the Grand National. <laughs> the way, he, the way, he, if you saw not Salah, he'd be down at the start, wouldn't he? <laughs> Who's that? Harry Maguire. Salah. All right, Mohamed Salah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. Yeah, it's a strange deal. Uh, final thing, I think, at, uh, as we're close to an hour and a half here. Um, what do you think about the uh, Champions League uh, draw? Obviously, we've got uh, two legs against uh, Dortmund. Um, so, Ray, was um, how 
far up or far, far down the the list were Dortmund in 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 your hopes. In my um, hopes, personally, I'm, I'm, I didn't want to play Liverpool or Chelsea. Didn't want to play PSG or Bayern Munich. I didn't want to play any of them. I was quite happy with Real Madrid, Dortmund, and Porto. So uh, probably uh, uh, probably fifth on my list, Dortmund. So. You know, I don't think it's a tie. We we should be unhappy about whoever we get. We have, you know, we have to dispatch them. You know, as I said earlier, you want to be the best. You're going to sometimes have to beat the best. And looking at the way the draws panning out, we're going to have to. And if we can get past Dortmund, then we've got PS. Was it PSG or Bayern Munich next? So um, it's it's not going to be easy. I mean, Dortmund have got some cracking players. Uh, obviously, Haaland, uh, our old boy Sancho. Uh, Jude Bellingham he's looks injured. interesting. Is Sancho injured now? Injured. Yeah, yeah, sorry, he's injured. injured. Yeah. Um, Jude Bellingham's there. They're, they're still a decent side. I saw them play uh, the other day or the weekend against Cologne. Um, was it Cologne? Um, and they, they drew to all. Haaland was very unhappy um, because I mean, he, he played pretty well. He scored two great goals. And if you watch that game, he, the way he, he scored the first goal, Mohamed Salah, I would just compare, we were talking about Salah, would never have scored that goal. Never. Because Salah would have gone to ground as soon as the player got near him, and Haaland just—you know—he's a big guy. He just brushed the player off uh, and scored from a, a, a difficult angle. He, you know, and he had a couple of other really good efforts. Uh, he's something else, and he's—you know—he's apparently downplayed his links to him moving on at the end of the season. He said, "I've got a three-year contract," but let's be honest—he was not happy with his team to, to, to walk out of that game with a two-two draw. Because do you honestly want to tell me that uh, Haaland is going to be happy um, to uh, play in um, the league next season? I really don't see him uh, going for that. I mean, uh, Dortmund are now the fifth in the table, um, four points off uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, who are uh, four four places in the Champions League. So, you know, it's it's difficult. Um, It's still doable, but there's only eight games left in Germany uh, for them to make up those uh, four points um, I don't know so it, but it's it, it's certainly going to be an interesting and I think the worst thing is so many city outlets and city fans are talking about Haaland coming home and having a look around the stadium and all all this rubbish uh, I just don't think we're going to you know uh, I think we're going to have to suffer that until the tie's over even after it's over we'll still be suffering that what are your thoughts, uh, Colin, on the European draw? Well, when you get to the last eight, you're, you're very lucky to get an easy tie. Perhaps Porto, you take uh, as a relatively easy route into the semi-finals, but there are no other um, there are no other easy ties. I mean, Liverpool, uh, you know, they're not doing very well in the league, but this is their favourite competition. Uh, Chelsea have improved dramatically. You know, I didn't fancy either of those two. Obviously, you want to stay away. For Bayern, PSG, Real Madrid, I think I might have uh, been tempted to take after our performance against them. Um, but uh, you know, it, it will be difficult. And of course, we've probably got we've got last year's one of last year's finalists in the semi final if we get past Dortmund. I, I think we can do enough to get past Dortmund, to be honest. Um, although we've got to go there for the second leg, which which, which will be interesting. But in the semi final, uh, we've got the second leg at home. Well. You know, we, we don't know what home is going to be at, at, at the moment. So it actually may not matter. Um, you know, we may be playing both games in Budapest 
as far as we know. But um, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. People are saying you know the signs are there; they're getting excited. But it's the Champions League, isn't it? You know, one bad game. So think about cups. You know, you can't be a favourite for a cup when there's still eight teams in because it only takes one bad game. We've seen it at this stage before. You know, Leon, Monaco, um, Liverpool. Uh, well, Liverpool, yeah. Um, it, it's um, you know, t- take it one game at a time. It, it'd be nice if we could get the title, the Premier League title, out of the way early. Um, <laughs> that, that's what frustrated me about losing to United because I think if we'd beaten United uh, in the derby, um, we would have. I think now we'd have been sat there and we got Leicester next, and, and then beat Leicester. Would have been two. I think two wins or possibly three wins from the title. In you know, with eight games to go. You're not going to be. I don't think you're going to be worried about the the league. You know, three wins in eight games, and that's relying on United and, and Leicester to win every single game, which isn't going to happen. They're not going to win the last eight, nine, ten games of the season. So, you know, it'd be nice just to sit there saying we need three wins out of eight or nine games to to be the uh, title winners, and we could forget about it. That's I think that's what we need to do because we're going to come to a point in the season where I think we've got FA Cup one weekend. Is it Champions League? After the FA Cup in midweek, if we if we're there, we've got the Carabao Cup final and then the Champions League again. Something ridiculous like that. You don't yeah. want to have it, to be worried about the league at that point. Well, United have got to go to um, Spurs. Yeah, they've got Burnley at home, which won't be easy for them. They've got to go to Leeds, which I think they'll win. They've then got Liverpool beginning of May at home. They've got to go to Villa. Then they've got Leicester at Old Trafford. So. You know, I can see them picking up three, six, seven, eight, maybe nine, twelve, thirteen. I don't think it's certainly going to get more than six, twenty points. I, I think sixteen, seventeen points for United. So I, effectively, I, th- I think we need two more wins to to win it. But obviously, I'd like more. I'd like three. I'd like to see three more, and then you know I, that Leicester game is a big one. It's after international break. I think if we beat Leicester, then for me. It's almost it's almost there. Two more wins after that, and I think we we probably get it. Um, you know, uh, but it's it's going to be it's going to be fun, isn't it? It's going to be a, April is going to be one hell of a month. April. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, we, we've only got two league games in April: uh, away at Leicester and home to Leeds. Yeah, win right. those two. So we mm-hmm. might have to wait till May when we're away at Crystal Palace. Well, we've got guys. Rel- relatively straightforward running from there. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, there you I think it's a pe- was it Pep's pe- press conference. He said something about, you know, he, oh, Pep's always asked about the, the quadruple, and Zinchenko's talked about it. Pep slapped him down. And Pep said, It's not safe out here. It's wondrous with treasures to satiate desires both subtle and gross, but it's not for the timid. <laughs> well, I think with that um, poetry there, um, I think we might just um, finish this pod off, guys. Well, we've got to be happy at this point in time. Top of the league, in the final of the League Cup, semi-final of the FA Cup, quarterfinals of the Champions League. We've got a, an international break, uh, and then uh, then we've got a kind of a showdown with uh, Leicester, and uh, we need um, we need revenge against Leicester. I think um, we. Uh, We've we've actually done quite well in avenging our losses, except with United. Obviously, um, 
there was the the loss against Spurs, which we avenged. We've got this chance now to avenge the loss against Leicester. So Man United is the other is the only sort of fly in our soup, as it were. But um, yeah, I think we better leave it here on the occasion of uh, Captain Kirk William Chap- Chapner's ninetieth birthday. Um, we hope you've enjoyed this uh, this little pod from a skies. Well, I say little. Um, we're currently up to 139.03, but I'm sure that that will help you as you take your uh, constitutional um, across the fields and far away. So uh, anyway, guys, um, you have been listening to Presswitch Blue, Colin Savage. Colin, thank you so much for coming on. Always a pleasure, as I always say. And the same to you, Ray. Hey, uh, always a pleasure. And I will say this final thing because, you know, for, for City fans and fans of other clubs who, uh, some of them who are, you know, having a pop at us and having a go at Pep and the money and all that, you know, in a, in a couple of years' time, for definite, Pep will be gone, two or three years' time. And I say to them, live now. Make now always the precious time. Now will never come again. Enjoy it whilst it's here. Drink it in because you'll not see football like this ever again. All right. Well, hopefully we've got a bit more to look forward to. Uh, Thanks very much, guys. Uh, We'll be back with you again shortly. So until then, we'll finish off in the normal way. So have one on us, guys. And up those blues.